Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. God moves mountains, amen? God is a mountain-moving God. I love the song I sang tonight. No one spoke to me most of all. Is that you've done it before and you can do it again. But you know that God moves mountains for you, that he can move mountains through you. Amen? God moves mountains for you, that you might move mountains in the lives of other peoples through you. You know, the amazing thing about this whole thing with the power of God, and this we're going to be preaching on tonight, is uh, the power of God. And it comes out of one, Acts 1.8. And it's an amazing thing. I heard this song saying, and I, I, I love it to death because it, it, it demonstrates the truth that I believe we need to grab hold of as Christians. And it simply says this, I ask God, why is there poverty in the world? Why is there so much trouble, turmoil? That's not his words, but he was singing it in a song form. And he said, why all this? Why don't you do something? And in answer to that, it's almost like a revelation back from God himself, spoke to this guy and he put it down on paper. He says, after I asked all these questions, God said, I did. I created you. How awesome is that? We can scream out, God, why don't you stop this and do that? He just repeats, yeah, I did. I made you. You do it. You do it. I love the story of the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus says, you do it. They're hungry. You do it. I don't think he was being arrogant or smart. I think he knew they had the capacity to feed 5,000. They just didn't know how to go about it. So you, Acts 1.8, I'm going to get into this. Let me pray first. Father, I pray for clarity of thought, Father God, for, for words, Father God, that would impact and empower, that would release and set free, Father God. I pray because of the Holy Spirit in our lives and through our lives and around about our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Fill our hearts with wonder, Father God, and amazement of the Father that we serve. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we might seek the power of God for so many need power of God in their lives right now, and we most of all, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Acts 1.8 simply states, have I got that up there? Did I give that scripture? But gee, let's all read it together. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That comes from the Bible. That's Jesus' words to his church. You shall receive power. This is the promise of Jesus. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You know, see, Jesus demonstrated two powers while he was on the earth, uh, in two forms, power in two forms. There was the exosia power, which is authority or delegated influence, and there's dunamis power which is fourth ability for the ability to do miraculous. Dunamis power is resurrection power. You have both authority from Jesus Christ to go into the world and you have dunamis power, the power of God in you. Holy Spirit in you is the resurrection power of God. You have power. Do you feel powerful? I'm glad we don't operate in feeling though, amen? I'm glad we operate in faith because there it is there. It's not about how I feel. 
It's about what's written in the Word of God. Near it is right there. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's a given. The promises of God and yes and amen. You have the power if you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Agree with me? Do you feel powerful? Or do you just believe it because God said it? Hallelujah. So you have both. You have authority, uh, ex- um, delegated influence, and you have power, resurrection power living inside of you. Because Jesus said in uh, Matthew 28, 18, when he, the Great Commission, all power, all, all exousia power, authority is given me. I send you into, uh, to make disciples. I send you to make disciples of all nations. Now you have the authority of God to go and do this. You've got the authority to speak in his name, but you have the power to make believers of every nation. The authority is to speak. The power is to demonstrate the power of God. Twofold. You can't do one without the other. A lot of the times we have one, but not the other. We speak in the name of Jesus, but we don't demonstrate the power of Jesus. If we're going to say Jesus heals, then we better show people that he can. Amen? It's no good just saying it if they can't see it. Make sense? They have to see it to believe. Okay, let's keep going on. It'll, get, it'll come clearer. See, we need both, and we have both. See, the Bible speaks of the, of the goodness of God. When you look at Scripture, when you read the Bible, you see how good God is. And we sang it this morning. He's a good, good God. God is good. Amen? All the time, God is good. And so we see the goodness of God. God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's how good our God is. He's concerned for our well-being went beyond the norm, what we would consider to be norm, into a supernatural experience. That his son came in the form of flesh, died upon the cross for each and every one of us, went to the grave. Saints, understand, Jesus didn't die for you. He died instead of you. Do you understand that? It wasn't like a soldier who goes to war to fight that I might live in a free world. It's like he went instead of me rather than for me. Do you understand that? He didn't die for you. He died instead of you. That death was yours. But he took it upon himself and said, I'll take your place. I'll die the death that you deserve that you might live the life that I deserve. Hallelujah. Such is the power of the God we serve. See, the Bible speaks of the goodness of God. And we need the power of God to demonstrate that goodness. We need the power of God to demonstrate the purpose. See, the purpose of power is because of Romans 2.4. The goodness of God leads men to repent. It's the goodness of God as demonstrated by his, uh, by his disciples, as seen in the life of men, that leads men to repentance. You came because you saw something of the goodness of God in the life of an individual. The power of that life persuaded you to come and sit in this assembly Put your hands up and worship God. You came because you repented because of the goodness seen in the life of another person. See, I want to focus this morning, uh, tonight, sorry, on the dunamis, the ability to do the miraculous, to use force when necessary. I want to give an example of John 9.2. Please follow me along in your scriptures if you like, but I I don't think I'll throw them up. I I need uh, example one, but I'll just read these out. 
I think it's taken out of the in, in New King James Version. John 9.2. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind? So Jesus and the disciples are walking along. Awesome. Um, so he goes on to say, Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the work of God should be made manifest in him. So they're walking along and they see something and the disciples ask that question. Who sinned that this man was born blind? It wasn't like he got hit in an eye with a spear or a stone or something. He was born blind. So the question was, something must have happened prior for him to be in that state of affairs. So they ask that question, which is a question we might ask ourselves. Who sinned? What happened that this man was born blind? And Jesus made this remarkable result, uh, answer. He said... Um, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You see, the power of sin is evident, amen? It's evident. But our focus is not on the power of sin. Our focus is on the power of God. Uh, we, we lift him up, amen? He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So if we say to a lost and dying community, God can save you, we're lifting up the name of Jesus because we know Jesus can save. And by doing that, we're not focused on the trouble or the problem, we're focused on the solution. Remember I said to you last week that we are the answer to every question that the world has. We have the answer. Not, let's send them to Pastor John and Pastor Helen that they might have revelation of some sort. No, you answer the question, why the goodness of God? Because you have the ability and the power to do so. Just so you don't understand it. You don't recognize it. You don't feel powerful, so we pretend to use persuasive words or other forms, like send them to someone else. But you don't have to feel powerful to be powerful. You just have faith that God said, you are a powerful people, therefore I am powerful. Amen? I remember hearing the story of a guy who went to the pastor's house. No, a friend's house, sorry. And uh, fell on his face and he said, look, I want to repent. And the guy said, well, you'll have to wait till Sunday because that's when the church opens. That's how we think sometimes. If we can get you to church on Sunday, then no, you have the power to demonstrate his goodness. Hallelujah. The power, the ability to do the miraculous. Understand, saints, that the works of God should be made manifest to do that you need the dynamos power of God. You need that power to demonstrate the goodness of God. See, Romans 5.20 says this, Where sin abounds, great does, grace does much more abound. And John, 1 John 4.4 4 says this, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Where sin abounds, grace does much more. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And because we walk in grace, the grace of God is evident through the active activities that we do as his, uh, as his disciples. So when you go out in this world, when you go out there and you, you um, exchange in the marketplace, when you, uh, you, know, you make that exchange happen, know that God's grace is with you when you're there and the grace of God is powerful enough to bring that person out of that uh, dire strait into something more pleasing, which is life itself. 
You see, saints, I believe church is about not necessarily coming here to be encouraged as, as per se. I believe we go out there and we operate in the marketplace in the day, in the workforce, in, in, in social life and every activity. Then the miracles we see, the power that we see demonstrated out there brings us back in here that we might rejoice and give thanks to God. Amen? It's not like this is the empowering place that sends you out. It's like you've seen the power of God operational in the community and you come in here to give thanks to God for what God has done out there. Amen? This is where we come to give thanks to God. Uh, it was interesting, you know, when you read um, that, that verse that says, you know, encourage one another with this saying. And the saying itself is not simply saying, hey, you're doing great, awesome buddy, good on you, well done. Encouraging one another in the faith means that we say to each other, hang on, Jesus Christ is coming. Amen? That's the encouragement we're supposed to give one another. Hang on, Jesus Christ is coming. And we're a day closer to that day than we were yesterday. How awesome is that? Hallelujah. You see, the work or God's good that's manifest, which simply means clearly seen, we need the power, the dunamis power of God to see his work clearly manifested in our community, in our lives and through our lives. In Luke 13, 16, classic example, Jesus. He's in the temple and he's about to pray for a woman bound. And they stop him. You can't do that on the Sabbath. And he says this. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, be loosed from his bond, this bond, on the Sabbath day? And in verse 17, when he had said these things, all these adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Ought not this woman, this woman bound some 18 years, you see the destructive power of Satan, but also notice the power of God. If God can drive out Satan, then who is the more powerful? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Now, I'm not saying every, every moment is a satanic moment, but I am saying whatever the moment is, demonstrate the goodness of God, demonstrate God's goodness through relief in some form. It may not mean you grab somebody and pull them up by the hand, but it may mean that you can ask, that you can pray for them. If they give you their attention, you give them something in return. Freely you've received it, freely give. All the people, all these adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things he did. Do you know that Jesus makes, made an amazing statement? He says to us, and he says, as he said to them in that day, I, more miracles will you do, more power will you have available to you more things you will do because I go to the Father. I want to see that. I want to see that, um, that um, Acts 2 church where even John or Peter walking around, people will bring their beds just so that the shadow of, of Peter would pass by. That, that's the power of God that I'm talking This is people who knew who they were in God. This is people who knew that they had authority. This is people who knew that they were in, had power to impact the kingdom of darkness, to bring light in desperate places. These are the people who knew who they were in Christ. Sometimes I think we struggle with our identity of who am I? 
Am I doll five, the son of <laughs> Dorian doll? <laughs> Sounds pretty weird when you say it like that. Now, notice Acts one eight. It says there that receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come. I want to challenge because uh, this is cha- this challenged me. I think this threw me off. This is where it came a bit of unsteady because I sometimes I like to know what I'm reading and. And because I've been in here for so long, um, you sort of heard it before in some form, so you tend to make an opinion based on that information. But this just threw me because I've never heard it before, but I want to chuck it out there. If it's no good, hey, by all means, just throw it, in the, throw it to the side. Keep it in the back burner somewhere. But I want to throw this out there because it makes sense to me how that the power of God comes into the life of an individual. You see, we know we're full of the Holy Spirit. The evidence is there. But do we know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? To walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know the power. We've heard it so many, so many times before. God, amazing power to bring people out of difficult places and place them on firm, firm grounding. We know the power of God to move mountains in our lives. You wouldn't be here if God didn't move a mountain for you to be here. We know the power of God. But to be in the power. And that's what I want to uh, target with this thought. You shall receive power after. Notice that it says after, not when you receive the Holy Spirit. Notice that it says after and not during receiving of the Holy Spirit. Notice that it says after the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. So there's a time frame involved here about receiving the Holy Spirit and the power, walking in the power of the Spirit. Um. So if we look at the baptism of Jesus, it will give us a demonstration of, uh, of just what I'm speaking about here. So if we go to Luke 4.1, and this is going to be a long reading, so have, have, I pray for your patience. Luke 4.1. Okay, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted the devil in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. This is in the King James Version. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that it be made bread. And verse 4, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Can we drop down to 14 now, please? Luke four fourteen, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all of the region round about. So from that example, let me just illustrate this point. Jesus is in the Jordan. He goes out to the Jordan. He knows that John the Baptist is baptizing in the Jordan. Jesus leaves Galilee. He goes out to the Jordan to be baptized of John. When he's in the river and he comes up out of the water, the Bible says he heard a voice and then a dove alighted upon him like the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon him. After he heard the voice say to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee, which in, in some interpretation says, Thou art my son in whom I am pleased to dwell. So after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. You follow me? He goes into the wilderness with the Spirit of God on him. He comes out of the wilderness with the Spirit of God in him. Amen? 
He goes into the, let me repeat that. He goes into the spirit, uh, into the wilderness with the spirit of God on him. Then he comes out of the wilderness with the spirit of God in him. He comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went in under the influence of the Holy Spirit, came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. What happened between him coming out and the Spirit of God coming upon him was the temptation in the wilderness. See, God said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Jesus went into the wilderness with this idea in his mind that he was the son of God. He knew it in his heart of hearts that he was the son of God. The first thing that Satan says to him, if you be the son, turn these stones into bread. Do something to show me that you're the son of God. But you see, Jesus didn't have to prove himself to anyone because the father had already said to him, you are my son. And we hear what the father says rather than what Satan says. Amen? We listen to the voice of the Father rather than the voice of anything else or anyone else, really. Hallelujah. So the voice comes down. This is my son. So the temptation takes uh, three forms. No one goes through them all. I just want to look at that first one. So if you be the son, turn these bread, turn these stones into bread. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 years, uh, 40 days, sorry. So I don't know how hungry he was, whether he was hungry at the end of the 40 days or whether it was a supernatural uh, temptation where he wasn't hungry at all until the 40 days had ended. But I know that he was hungry at the end of it. I just don't know at what point. I would have been hungry after the loss of the first meal. You ever started to do a fast? After that first meal, I'm going crazy. I'm, I'm climbing the walls. The pain is unbearable. I need food. Not just any food. I need Kentucky Fried. Life-sustaining food. The good stuff. You know, you know what I'm saying? To go through 40 days of fasting, and if he had felt those 40 days, how painful that might have been up to a point where he began to lose, or lose that. It says he was hungry after. And through that hunger, through that moment when he was the most hunger, Satan comes to him and he says to him, if you be the son of God, turn that stone into bread. Eat that bread if you're hungry. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that Eve was tempted, that she took of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave it to Adam. The Bible says Eve was tempted. It also said that Adam just took and ate. Adam took and ate. I believe personal, my personal belief, that sin came through Adam. Sin came through Adam's transgression, not Eve's. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it is a sin to be rebellious or to um, disobey God. You see, Eve, Eve said this, God said, thou shalt not eat from the tree of the, uh, the two trees in the wilderness. Amen? She said that. God said, so at some point she had heard either through Adam God spoke directly to her. Adam also knew that you weren't supposed to eat from those two trees. She says, God says, don't eat. Adam just took and ate. When Jesus was confronted with the temptation in the wilderness, Satan said to him, if you be the son of God, there's no question he was, if you be, take the bread and eat. What was he saying? Take and eat. Take and eat. Jesus' words were absolutely amazing. He says this, 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. You see, Satan said to him, take and eat. But because Jesus was in that place where he was just loyal, just focused on God, he said, no, I'm not going to take and eat. For me to just take and eat would be satisfying something of myself, but I don't want to satisfy myself. I'm here to satisfy God and the requirements that he has of me. Amen? So instead of just taking and eating like the first Adam did, he made that statement. They knew the word in that form. It was a spoken form in the day of Adam and Eve. They knew the spoken form of God. God said to them, can't eat of it. Jesus said the same thing here. It is written, you shall live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, saints, you don't have to prove that you're a son. You don't have to prove that you're a daughter of God. You just have to believe what's said up here. You just have to believe what's said in the Word of God. When he says, you are a son. Today I have accepted you. I have received you. I have filled you with my spirit. Now, live as a son of God. I, I believe Jesus had two, that struggle in his life, the natural with the, the supernatural. Because he often referred to himself as a son of man. He says, who, does, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And he often referred to himself as a son of man. But he also knew that he was a son of God. See, you are in the world, but not of it. Amen? You're in this world, but not of it. So every, I, I, I didn't bring it, I was going to. But do you know that you're born again? And do you know that when you went through the waters of baptism, you were down, but you didn't come up. You died in the waters of baptism. You just didn't come up. The new life you're raised in is the life of Jesus Christ in you. It's a new identity you're supposed to take on. Sometimes we treat baptism as a party trick, but it's not a party trick. It's a symbolic gesture on your part that I acknowledge that I died with Christ and I was raised with him also. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everything prior to my baptism has passed away. Everything that comes in my life now is new. And I, in the newness of life, live, work, and have my being. It was Paul who said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's where the power is. When the Word of God is consolidated in your spirit, when it speaks to your spirit and says that you are a son, and it, it just forms this, this union inside of you, and you come up believing either one or the other, you come up believing that you're a new creation in Christ, or you come up and just keep on living your life as you lived before. The impairments how well impacted the Holy Spirit is in your life. If you are a son, as you walk in the sun, as a son, that's when the power is in you, and not only upon you. Amen? You see, I believe, could I have the, the worship team up, please? I believe that in some instances, like the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on the 120 that were gathered in the upper room. They were led or forced out of the room by the Spirit of God. Peter preached that same day, and 5,000 people got saved. That seemed like almost immediate. But they had followed Jesus for three years of their life. And I believe under his tuition, 
under his guidance, under his leadership, they come to realize they weren't normal men. They weren't just natural men. They were supernatural beings with the spirit of God and the ability to speak in the name of Jesus and the ability to actually perform miracles in his name. You see what I'm saying here tonight, saints? Unless that spirit of God comes in you and it consolidates who you are in Christ Jesus, you'll never walk in the power of God. You'll always walk in the presence of God, but you'll never walk in the power of God. It's when it becomes consolidated in you, when you know in your heart of hearts that you are a son of God, told to you by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God witnessing with my spirit that I am a child of God. And it's when that consolidates, when it becomes a reality, when it becomes an actual in your life, that's when you walk in the power of God. Let's all stand, please. I like what Pastor Jason said this morning. It's better in the wilderness with God than it is in captivity, in any forms of captivity. You see, Jesus took a journey that morning. He went from Galilee into the Jordan, but what came back was, wasn't the same. He wasn't the same after that moment. I believe his first miracle was after he came back out of the Jordan. That's when he came back in the power of God. It doesn't speak of anything happening prior to that, to that moment. But I believe that was the impacting moment of his life. And this day, right now, you could leave this place not the same if you allow the Holy Spirit to compact you, to compact that truth in your life, that you are a child of God. And as a child, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in all of the world. You have the authority of God. You have the presence of God. But do you want the power of God? It's only the power of God. We're going to just demonstrate the goodness of God. People won't see his goodness until we start to see people come up out of their graves, virtually. Hallelujah. You've got to want it, saints. You've got to want it. It just doesn't come to you as a, in gift package form. You've got to want this. I want to know who I am in Christ Jesus. I want to know who is in me, the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul made that statement late in his life. He said, that I might know him and the power that raised him. That I might know him and know the power that raised him. You want to make a difference in this world? You're not going to as a son of man. If you want to make a difference, you're going to make a difference as a child of God. You have to make that determination that you want to have, make this happen. I want this. There are people out there that we need to see. We want to see changed. We want to see these people come into a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. We want to see them come into a worship mentality where they're here with us on a Sunday worshiping. The only way we're going to do that is as we speak with authority and we back it with power. If we're going to say they're going to be healed in Jesus' name, then we want to see them healed in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not going to happen the more times we say it. It's only as a son and a daughter of the Most High God that we're going to see the power of God demonstrated. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. 
For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.